Our message today is a continuation of the study that we began last week as we observed the way in which John the Baptist had sent some of his disciples on to follow after the Lord Jesus. And you recall that John the Baptist was at that time being held in prison for having criticized King Herod for his sinful relationship with his brother's wife. And while John was there in the prison, some of his disciples had been following the Lord Jesus around the countryside, witnessing Jesus teaching and preaching and healing many of those who were in need. And here in these words of Luke chapter 7, we find those men reporting to John all of the things that they had seen and heard Jesus do. Now follow along with me, if you will. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he, the Lord Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Last week, as we began to study these precious scriptures given here, we noted that God is able to use many different ways and means of grace as he draws each of us to the Lord Jesus. And here in these words, while it might seem as if John is asking a question about whether or not Jesus is the coming Messiah, We said that John's sending of his followers to make inquiry of the Lord Jesus was for a far greater purpose. The purpose of actually passing these men on to be disciples of the Lord Jesus. Folks, John knew that during the time these men had followed with him in his ministry of repentance, that they had taken that first step towards their eternal life. That step of repentance. But now they were in need of taking the next step. The step of salvation. And that it would be Jesus. And Jesus alone who would provide that step. And so John then sent them on to the Lord Jesus. And in doing that we need to understand that the answers then that these men would receive. Those answers were meant to bring about a permanent change within those men. Those men would no longer be followers of John the Baptist. They would become disciples of Christ, the Lord Jesus. And God has given these words and this understanding to you and me also. It has been often that you and I will have begun our Christian experience simply as followers of the ideas, the concepts of Christianity. Doing churchy things, going to church. Other such things like that. But there must come a time when our souls want more. 
a time within our souls that we too will go directly to the Lord Jesus and we will personally ask him, are you that one? That one who will be my personal savior? And once we've taken that step, God truly intends for our life and our lifestyles to change, to change. It's at that point that God's Holy Spirit will put such an intensity within our relationship with the Lord Jesus that it will move us on from simply doing those usual churchy things to actually beginning to do, as A.W. A. Tozer words it, following hard after Jesus. Following hard after Jesus. Experiencing an insatiable desire within our hearts and minds to go further than we've ever been before ever been before, and to pursue after the Lord Jesus all the rest of the days of our lives. Folks, this is God's design for each one of us, that we ourselves would not follow after just one preacher or another, one church or another, but instead that we would only pursue after and follow after the person of the Lord Jesus. And that also should be the desire of every preacher, every pastor, every church leader, that every member of their church, this church, would be a disciple of the Lord Jesus and of Him alone. I do fear that in this day of, of megachurches where pastors and church leaders seem to want to accumulate followers to themselves and to assimilate members into an ever-growing congregation, that there might be an essential element missing from their focus. May I say again that within the plans and within the efforts of every pastor and of every church, small or large, there must be this same message that John the Baptist is giving in these words. The message that each person must personally be sent to Jesus to ask that question. Are you the Savior of souls? And will you be the savior of my soul? And then once the answer to that question is satisfied, then that person must begin from that moment forward to pursue after and to follow hard after the person of the Lord Jesus. Now, may I pause for a moment and remind ourselves of of how we got to this precious circumstance of asking those essential questions. You know, hidden within all the many efforts of prophets like John the Baptist and also preachers and evangelists is a secret working of God's hand to draw each of us to himself. It's all part of that step of grace that he spoke about in Ephesians chapter 2 where he said, for it is by grace that you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's not an idea that you came up with. Yes, you like to go to church and you enjoyed the fellowship. But this is different. This is more. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This blessed gift of grace actually began with a transaction that was completely unknown to you and me. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that it actually began even before the foundations of this earth were laid with God choosing then to save our souls. 
Then also in the book of Revelation, and I love this, in the book of Revelation, he tells us that he wrote our names in a special book, a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And all that took place without our ever knowing it. And then also, sometime after we were born on this earth, God took another step of his grace by doing what John chapter 6 tells us. He drew us to Jesus. You recall those verses. No one comes to me except my Father. Draw them. And I think perhaps that was what was taking place as John the Baptist sent his disciples on to see Jesus, to ask those questions. While they might have looked like questions about whether or not Jesus was the Messiah, these are very special questions that Jesus would are in exactly the right way. And so I think that's what was taking place. It was this drawing of John's disciples to the Lord Jesus. In the book of John chapter 1, we're told that as we are drawn to the Lord Jesus, we must do two things. We must believe on him. And we must receive him. We must believe on him and we must receive him. And then folks with that, that first part of grace, that first part of grace is complete. We're saved. But as here with John's disciples, they found that their trek had only begun. And so has ours, yours and mine. Our salvation is only the first step. Believing in him and receiving him as savior is only that first step of grace that God gives us. Now next comes a required response from you and me. That's the point in, in God's grace when our hearts begin to do as A.W. Tozer calls our pursuit of God. Our pursuit of God. How does that actually work? What is it that causes you and me to turn from the busyness of our daily lifestyles, from those old desires of our souls, from the plans that we make for ourselves to turn and to leave it all behind to find another more powerful, more demanding thing. Folks, the answer is and always is, it comes straight out of the heart of God. It comes through the mysterious working of His Holy Spirit. In his book, The Pursuit of God, and I would recommend that book to you. I think I've only read it about seven or eight times. And each time I read it, I appreciate it more. In his book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer speaks about that stirring up of men's souls and the drawing of them into the plans and the purposes and even into the very presence of God. He calls that stirring up of men's souls prevenient grace. It's a term that we don't often use. But for you and me, it simply means that before a man or a woman can even begin to seek after God, God must first have sought after them. Before you and I ever sought after God, he first sought after us. Before a sinful man or woman can even think a right thought of God, there must first have been a reaching forth by God. A work of illumination, God calls it, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And then, yes, the steps are at first very unsure. We don't know exactly what we're supposed to be doing. But the process has begun. And as A.W. Tozer puts it, it will be that secret cause of all the desiring and seeking and praying within our souls to follow after him. 
Folks, we must understand that we pursue after God because and only because He first sought after us. He has first put that urge within our souls that draws us and spurs us on to that pursuit. Yes, He may use other people in the process. He used a good friend in my own personal experience. But that drawing begins because no man can come to the Father except through the Lord Jesus. And no one can come to the Lord Jesus except the Father draw them. And then by God taking that first step, then every vestige of credit for our coming to Him belongs to God. And it never belongs to us. Our impulse to pursue God originates with God. But listen, the outworking... The outworking of that impulse really does become ours. Then. Our following hard after Him. All the time that we are pursuing Him, God has already taken hold of our hand and is leading us and guiding us toward Himself. Psalm 139, He tells us, Your right hand will hold me fast. God's right hand will hold us fast. In God's divine upholding, and our human following. There's no contradiction. Too often, preachers from pulpits like this will talk about our free will efforts. But listen, there's no contradiction within those activities. In God's divine upholding and our human following, there's no contradiction. It is all of God. God and His stirring up as always previous, previous to our own. Let me say that another way. In a very practical sense, you and I must put forth our own effort, yes, to pursue after God. But at the same time, our pursuit is this irresistible response to His secret drawing of us. We feel those same needs that David felt as he cried out to God in Psalm 42. And he said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts. For the living God. Yes, this desire within us to pursue after God will seem especially strange to us. I know that it did with me. And by the way, my pursuit after God started sometime after I had actually given my heart to Him in salvation. It took a while for this to begin to take place within my soul. It was strange, but it arises from deep within our soul and our spirit. God reminds us in Romans chapter 8 how in the weakness of the moments of our life, we don't even know how to pray. I've experienced that so much over these last few days, but especially in those earlier moments of our following after the Lord Jesus. We don't even know how to pray. But folks, listen. God's Holy Spirit knows how to pray. And with groans that you and I can't comprehend, the Holy Spirit cries from within us to God, the Father. And in that crying out, He expresses truths that only God can understand. And then by some powerful unction of God's Holy Spirit within us, then our spirit begins to answer His call. And what a blessed transaction that is. I do fear that in today's evangelical rush to get men and women saved, it's too often the case that we substitute something far less than all of this. 
It seems that we can convince men and women that they are saved without any of the hungering and the thirsting for God taking place. And that should not be. That should not be. And I think because that does take place, many people within today's congregations seem to be far more caught up in the many vigorous activities and festivities that take place within their churchy transactions that the intimate relationship that God desires for us to have with His dear Son gets forfeited in favor of all of those meeting of personal needs and all of those activities. And that all seems good and it is good to some extent. But listen, fellowship and festivities and all of those things that take place in the church, that's not all that God wants and desires of you and me. He wants you and me to move on past all those many desires that we have for our own selves on to having an intimate desire for Him personally. He wants us to truly come to know Him personally and to hunger for a relationship with Him. Do you have that hunger? Do you have that hunger to know God? Now, yes, God, as God, truly is unknowable. But listen... In Christ, He has revealed Himself to us in a form and in a personality that you and I can then reach across that divide of knowing the unknowable. And we can get to know Christ intimately. And the Lord Jesus said to us, He says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And then thankfully, God doesn't even stop there. He goes on further and He gives us His blessed Holy Spirit to abide within us, ever revealing the person and the personality of Christ. I think of those verses, Ezekiel chapter 36, where he says, I'm going to put a new heart in you. And I want to put a new spirit within you. And then I'm going to actually put my spirit in you. And then I'm going to move you to do what I desire you to do. And that's what will take place. That's what will take place in our hearts if we'll just simply make ourselves available to Him in this deep and intimate relationship that He wants to have with us. And again, He makes getting to know and to love Him that way so easy for us. But our part, our part in all of this is that we be willing and that we intentionally join with God in His grace by pursuing hard after the Lord Jesus. When you think about it, we know that we cannot get to know another person with only a chance meeting or even several encounters. It's only after many, many interactions and exchanges of thoughts and ideas and all those other kinds of things, and especially favors, that we're able to perceive a person's thought and heart and begin to enjoy and to trust them. And it's that same way. With the Lord Jesus. It's only after all those many personal interactions and exchanges. That trusting of Him. The opening up of our heart to Him. The receiving of His favors and blessings. That we're able then to say that yes, we know the Lord Jesus. Folks, God truly is a person. Too often so many people simply envision Him as being some entity that's out there somewhere powerful yes 
but he's out there somewhere. But it's not that way. In Christ, he loves, he hates, he is patient, he's long-suffering, he weeps. In the Holy Spirit, he grieves. This God of ours, the Lord Jesus, is truly a person and he wants us to have this relationship with him. And he tells us the same thing. He's been telling us these same words since the days of the Old Testament where he says, what I want of you is one thing. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all I'm asking of you. And folks, that's the relationship is asking us to have with him. And it's only as we pursue after him that that deep and intimate relationship will begin to come true. And again, it's not as if our pursuit is a difficult thing to do. In actuality, that pursuit is being done for us by him. As I reminded us at the beginning of this message, God himself initiates this relationship. He initiated the relationship that you have with him right now. And he also pursues after us, the hound of heaven. He reaches out to us and he draws us to himself. He does it in so many ways. He'll woo our affections. He'll bestow great and wonderful blessings on us. He wants us to be the beloved bride of his beloved son. And he's arranged that marriage. He's arranged that marriage of us, his bride, to Christ, his son. And we're being drawn to him. And his love is being shed abroad in our hearts, making everything to be of him, everything easy for us. All we have to do is to surrender ourselves to that loving pursuit of him. These scriptures that we have before us here today of Jesus walking the earth and preaching the gospel and giving sight to the blind and healing the sick and all that he has and all that he does is all part of God drawing all men to his son for redemption. And these men, these followers of John, seeking to know who Jesus is, it was all a part of man's response back to God's pursuing of them. And you and I don't have to know exactly what's taking place all the time in this pursuit that we're engaging in with God. It's a mystery that God is ever and always working within us, bringing many sons to glory, he tells us. All that you and I have to do is to surrender ourselves to his loving pursuit and then surrender ourselves to pursuing him back. So then, as we close, may I ask you, do you sense that kind of stirring of the Holy Spirit within you? What do you do with that stirring as it takes place? Do you quickly move away from it in favor of something easier? Or do you respond to that stirring? He wants you and me to respond to the stirring of His Holy Spirit. He's doing that right now in this message and in these words that we're studying here today. Just as John sent his disciples on to the Lord Jesus, I want to do that with you. I want you to go directly to Him. Don't take it secondhand from me. Go directly to Him. Get alone after church and talk to Him about all of this. God is pursuing after you and me to have this kind of intimate relationship. And so my plea to you and to myself is that we not allow our Christianity to become what takes place so often in so many churches where people just simply come in. But instead, let us 
begin to pursue hard after this bridegroom with all of the love and the passion that our hearts can make. Let me close with these words. These again are the words of David as cried out to God. He said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Let's pray.